0: Now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steam Days. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their
1: people. Our rights are inherent and essential.
0: Derived from our maker, that is liberty, and liberty will reign in America.
2: This is Steam Days.
1: Come on. And greetings happy thursday it's a theology thursday here on the steve dace show podcast on westwood one powered by crtv my name is steve dace todd and aaron are here as well and we would love it if you joined us too steve at stevedace.com is the email address you can like us on facebook and follow us on twitter at steve dace show last name is spelled d-e-a-c-e and we just finished today's television show for crtv so gentlemen let's give them a preview of what's coming up today todd you first
2: Uh, Well, we uh, debated live whether or not to ever talk about uh, uh, the Mueller investigation again. Because we're pretty much just spinning our wheels.
0: Aaron? That conversation was more interesting than actually talking about the investigation itself. Talking about whether or not to actually talk about it was more more interesting. I managed to work in. I'm just going to toot my own horn now because, you know, humility is dead, but... Um, I, I managed to work in a state farm commercial and a clip from Silence of the Lambs into the montage today. Steve, I think I like deserve some sort of participation. And you didn't even trophy. have to
1: use your AK. Today was a good day. Well done. Yeah. Well done. So if you want to watch today's CRTV show, CRTV.com. And with the kind of hype they just brought to the table, I was like, yeah, we're kind of bored with what we talked about. <laughs> Aaron's like, yeah, best thing I've got is pimping myself here. So with that, I mean, with that kind of promotional material, Yep. why would you not want to hop on board CRTV.com right now with the energy level those two guys brought and use promo code DACE to subscribe? But hey, if they couldn't sell you on our show, you still get the great one, Mark Levin, and the and all the other uh, people that are a part of our team here at CRTV. CRTV.com, promo code DACE, and again, the last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. That'll get you access to a discounted subscription to CRTV. And speaking of subscriptions, if you haven't yet done so and you're listening to us today on iTunes or Stitcher, please click that little subscribe box. It'll take you only 10 seconds. And the more of you that do that, that helps us to grow our podcast and convince CRTV to underwrite the cost so it will remain free for all of you to listen to each day. And if you've uh, not yet taken a few minutes out of your day to write us a positive review, we would greatly appreciate that. Many of you have already done so on both of those fronts, so thank you very much to all of you. Well, can is, can I
2: get a mulligan and briefly then uh, plug yesterday's podcast? For the
1: love of all that is holy, please take one, is, yes. Can, 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 can
2: I, well Well. Remind me not to try on uh, buy, sell, or hold, uh, because what you you instantly were right on Trump uh, and reversing course on tariffs. Like an hour later, I gave him the benefit of that. I said, "This is kind of his wheelhouse. so be more stubborn on this one." Not not we didn't even wait 24 hours. We didn't even 12 hours. Like I we got out of here. I'm following Twitter an hour. later. There it is. He's yeah thinking
1: now. Now this is all happening in real time because what you're alluding to is this was supposed to be out first thing in the morning. And then it didn't come out. Then they said they were going to delay it. Now, what's come out as we are doing this is apparently he, he had released some sim, symbolic statement that exempts several countries from this. It, it's essentially a nothing burger, really. In many respects, the way this is being handled is like the president's first religious freedom order. You guys remember that? When the, the the first religious freedom order, I think it came out sometime around r- short, shortly after Easter last year, and it was basically a blog that said religious freedom's good. We should do more of it, but it didn't it didn't do anything. An alliance defending freedom, and our very own buddy Bob Vanderplas and a lot of other Christian conservative leaders around the country are like, uh, this is not the religious freedom order we're looking for here. You guys remember that? Yes, it was basically just a symbolic gesture that looks like what came out just since we started talking in the last 15 minutes, but it's entirely possible by the time we're done, something else will have happened. And I think this goes to something I said to you off the air that I want, I want to say this for the record. All right. I've pretty much made a career out of saying stuff on the record. Most people don't want to say or aren't willing to. And by golly, look how far it's got me. So I'm just going to keep on doing it. <laughs> All right? Um, it just goes to show this guy is just not good at being president. Let's just be honest about it. The performance, the theatrics, the the resolve, the resiliency, the steadfastness—do those things? Any of the terms I just use, do they come to your mind at all when you think of Donald Trump's presidency? Mm-mm, no. No. Do these terms come to mind? Um, oppressive, authoritarian, um, socialist, progressive, Marxist. Those those thoughts come to your mind though? No. No. Now, why do I bring this point up? Because this guy's not good at this. He's not. He's not good at this. But look at the economy, for example, how much more it's growing. Sarah Sanders said yesterday the economy is better now than it was before Trump took office. And by any objective measure, she's right. It's not even, it's frankly not even an argument, actually. It's just not even close. She's right. What Trump is, is maybe the best. Living, breathing, teachable moment about how wrong socialism, Marxism, progressive, progressivism is we've ever had in America. Even more so than Obama, because Obama was overall liked by the majority of the American people. And therefore, a lot of people just chose to overlook just chose to overlook the things that he stood for they didn't like because they liked him, and then they would just punish his poor political party for that stuff in the midterms when he was president. They got wiped out in every midterm when he was president. They got annihilated, lost over 1,000 elections nationwide. They like, we, we really don't like what a Barack Obama's doing to the country, but we like him. So we're going to take it out on his, on his party, but not on him. That's, that's really what the voters did is eight years. Trump doesn't bring likability or any of that stuff to the table. None of it at all. And yet, by virtue of not being a communist, Marxist, leftist, socialist, progressive—or at least that variation of progressive—anyway, look how much better most Americans feel about the direction of the country fifteen months after his election, or sixteen months after his election victory, compared to where their country, what the country was feeling in October of two thousand and sixteen. Think about that. Yeah, he's made some. He's made some good decisions. Most of the decisions he's made on policy after screwing the pooch on end for weeks, months at a time, he eventually, sometimes against his own will, will eventually lands on the right spot. But the performance stagecraft, statecraft, aspect of the presidency, bully pulpit aspect of the presidency, which is most of the job in this day and age, he is dreadful. Dreadful. but because he's not actively using the levies of government to pursue an ideology that ignores what human nature really is, which is our topic for Theology Thursday here today in a moment, but but it, but ignores human nature for what it is, ignores the world for what it is, and, and instead, with all of his clumsiness and all of his lack of integrity and character and everything else, the, his willingness to at least listen to see the world for how it is as opposed to how his Marxist human studies professor convinced him at 19 it was supposed to be. Look how much better most of us feel like we're off. You know what I'm trying to say here? Yeah. Think about that. Think about how how much he makes you wince on a daily basis while you watch him try and do this job. You wince. You don't want to watch.
2: What you just said beyond Trump is actually the best argument the Republicans have in their favor, period. The entire party. Agreed. Uh, I totally agree with that. Uh, We're not them. Yes. We're we're not communists.
1: We're better than Hillary.
2: Yes. It's a terrible argument, and it's their best one.
1: Yes. Think about how wrong leftist ideology is. That someone as vain as... I think he's got narcissistic personality disorder. I really believe that. I mean, I'm, I'm not just... This isn't clickbait. I'm not throwing it out there. I really believe he has narcissistic personality disorder. I believe that. I factor that into my analysis. How vain, how narcissistic, how uninformed, how sensitive. Think about it. These are not traits you're looking for in a leader. He has most of them. And yet... By his, just by his willingness to not, this is how wrong leftist ideology is, the country for the most part, at least so far, has responded favorably to him, even though the most people don't like him because of the character traits I just mentioned, because he's not pursuing leftist ideology actively. We can overcome for the most part. I mean, I, I I do wonder sometimes at night, will there be a foreign power? Will there be a day we get up that Vladimir Putin and just decide, you know what? Yeah, I don't think there's any there there. Let's find out. Let's push a couple buttons for real this time. We're not holding rallies in Times Square for CNN to cover. Let's invade some Scandinavian country that's a member of NATO. Let's test y'all's resolve here. Let's see what happens you know what i'm saying? Yeah. Then i wonder, i want that's you wonder, Steve, where do you think Trump's lack of character hurts us? That's the moment i'm afraid of, is that one. But heretofore, leftist ideology is so bad. The country has is is is, is soaring at the moment with a leader who essentially has every character flaw you don't want in your leaders. Except one. What's the one he doesn't have? He's not pursuing a leftist ideology. He has all the other ones, though. (laughs) He has all the other ones. He's just not pursuing leftist progressive ideology, and look where the country is now compared to where it was 24 months ago. Think about that for a minute. That's astounding when you stop and think about that, isn't it? It, 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 I don't know what you guys think. It's astounding to me.
2: I'm just numb. Just numb, man.
0: On on the... On the positive note, um, uh, the, the the moments where I like kind of become like I reach a new form of sentience or something, where I realize <laughs> that Donald Trump is our president, those are becoming further and further apart. Because usually my nose would start to bleed when I remembered that. Yeah, I hear you. Um, but those are becoming f- further and further apart. So that's. You can take that to the bank. that's I had one of those moments
2: a couple of days ago. My wife and I were just channel surfing and some news came on and a lot of just said, "Damn, he really is our president, isn't he?"
1: <laughs> and my wife just goes, "Turn the channel." Well let's get to Theology Thursday. And I didn't intend for this segment to uh, evolve this way, but since we launched it, We've just gotten so many good questions from our audience that yeah, we've done a, we've done several of these episodes responding to these questions. And I I do this when I go out and speak publicly. I, if if they let me, I, I I try to save as much time for Q and A as I can. I love I love live questioning, even if it's snotty. I like it I, because that especially sometimes sometimes especially that's true. That's true. Um, I think the reason I love the live questioning is because. I'm aware of the fact I like to talk. And that way, when I'm answering your questions, when I get done talking, I want to know, did I address what you guys brought me here to address? You know what I'm saying? Sure. Uh, you know? So I, I, I'll take all the time you offer me to talk. This ain't no humble brag. Okay? I'm going to talk. All right? You invite me to talk, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to talk. But... I do want to know that I'm addressing the stuff you brought, whatever was the reason you brought me in, that that I'm addressing that stuff. And one way to make sure of that is to take your questions. Because that way I know I'm talking about the stuff that you are interested in. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm not wasting our time. I'm just using a lot of it now (laughs) as I talk and talk and talk. But I'm talking about the things you want me to talk about as opposed to just things I want to talk about. And that's why I like taking questions on Theology Thursday. And I love the question we got from Rick in Massachusetts this week. He says, I'm a huge fan, even though I'm a secular Jew, and yours is my favorite show on CRTV.
2: Other programming for the win. Yes. Nice. Yes.
1: You regularly state that you disagree that, quote, human nature is basically good. I know you mean, in part, That all of us are sinners, so is sin the baseline? I know this is maybe just an academic argument. Oh no, it is not. In fact, I, I would go so far as to say, Rick, what you're asking us about today is the fundamental argument of our age. This one right here. I know this this is maybe just an academic argument, but I believe human beings are good and have free will. You could say I believe humans were given the ability to be good from their creator, and as a part of free will, humans must fight the impulse to sin and hurt themselves and their fellow man every day. I think that is possibly a distinction without a difference. Maybe you are framing it specifically as a Christian argument I do not understand, but I think starting with the negative premise doesn't do the positive side of humanity, also delivered by our creator justice. Can you explain? You bet. You bet. Now... There's no way to do this pithy, okay? I want to warn you in advance. Strap in. We're going to take a deep dive here. We're going to do real theology. Not that we don't do real theology before, but sometimes you guys ask theological questions that I can give you the Reader Digest version. I can't do that with this one because it's, this this is one of the most fundamental questions of existence. It, it would be asking me to do this in, in, in five minutes or in one tweet. It's like the, the famous example of the seminary um, exam that is an essay test. It says, define God and give three examples. Okay? Sumo Theologica. Go! <laughs> yeah. All right. So, I love that you asked me this question because you're going to give me an excuse to do what I'm about to do. Because there's the only way to adequately answer it, Rick. And in this process of answering this question I'm going to explain I hope why this is the fundamental question of this age what you just asked There are really 3 theories on human nature Within those 3 theories maybe I would better say meta narratives there are 3 meta narratives of human nature and within those meta-narratives, there are variations on a theme, and and theories. Okay, one is the notion that human nature is basically good. People that have believed this have not always been secular. Uh, uh, this was a theological argument posited centuries ago. You may have heard me use the term Pelagian in the past. Um, But it's, it's this notion that human nature on its own is basically good. There are people that are theistic in nature and people that are secular in nature that posit this. In our day and age, it is primarily found amongst those, not exclusively now, Not exclusively but it is primarily found amongst those with a secular progressive worldview heavily influenced by Darwinism and since many of those people with that worldview control the academic world this is why there is so much emphasis in our academia today placed on self-esteem the richest most successful woman in America maybe in the world today would you guys say is who Oprah Oprah this is what she peddles this okay all of her belief in secret mantras that can make you rich and Eckhart Tolle all of that everything it's genesis this is why this is the fundamental argument of the age it's genesis begins in human nature is basically good what was the advice she gave to a woman yesterday as part of that whole Me Too movement to look within yourself right live your truth live your truth is what she said at the Golden Globes yes so this is the first argument. Human nature is basically good. The second argument is that human nature is basically sinful or bad, but it is not fundamentally bad. This is an argument that exists in many Orthodox Catholic circles. This is an argument that exists in many um, Protestant circles, Primarily, if you've ever heard the term Arminian, okay, this is the belief that on our own we cannot earn God's favor. And that's why Jesus had to die at the cross for our sins. But on our own, we are not so fundamentally evil that we cannot still do good on our own. So this would be a viewpoint that says that human nature unto itself is born into sin. This is where the the, you maybe heard the argument or the, the doctrine of original sin comes from this notion. But we are still capable of doing good, not though up to the point of earning God's favor on our own. That we cannot do so this is not a viewpoint that believes God is keeping track of your good deeds and bad deeds. And and if you have more good than bad, he's like an intergalactic Santa Claus, you go to heaven. This, this viewpoint would reject that. That would actually line up more with the viewpoint that I just espoused. That's why I said both theists and secularists buy into the notion that human nature is basically good. There will be theists who will tell you they don't believe human nature is basically good, but then they will turn around and say that if you do more good deeds than bad, you can earn your way into God's favor. Um, If my nature is basically bad, how much could I ever possibly do to overcome my own base nature? Answer, I couldn't do anything. My base nature is bad. There's no amount of good I can do to please God. I'm basically bad. So there are theists and secularists that both buy into the notion human nature is basically good. Then there's this middle view, which I just described. Human nature is not basically good. It is fallen. But it is not fundamentally so evil that we cannot still do good on our own the third view is human nature is not just basically bad it is totally depraved and without the direct initiation meaning sovereign acts of God there would be no good in the world that it is God who makes the rain fall on the just and the unjust they couldn't make the rain fall on themselves we have so corrupted the creation with sin that without God's intimate, sovereign, restraining power, the world would be flooded with evil. Am I okay with this so far, you guys? Am I doing, am I doing Absolutely. okay? Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. Now, Again, these are meta-narratives. Within these narratives, there are variations of themes. Some people within these narratives vehemently disagree with each other about the process of applying their narrative. For example, if I go to the first view that human nature is basically good, often there are really good conservatives who have a religious view that says you can earn your way to heaven that would totally disagree with the political viewpoint of the secularist progressive who also believes human nature is basically good, okay? Okay. They would have a completely different morality and political ideology in many cases. But at the core of their worldview, they would still believe, I can earn my way to heaven because I'm basically good. That's why we're not having... Is this is this political Thursday? Is that the conversation we're having? No. What are we having today? Theology, Theology Thursday. Thursday. We're talking strictly theological now. All right? Here's why this matters. Because if I have a theological view that human nature is basically good, then I'm going to have a certain expectation for human nature in all of its forms, parental, individual, societal, governmental. I'm going to have one set of expectations for what it can do on its own. Okay? If I have this middle view, and I'm only using middle view, not like it's necessarily between the two, but I, it, it's the middle of three views, okay? If I have this middle view that human nature is basically bad, but it's not fundamentally evil at the same time, I'm going to have a set of expectations based on that assumption for what human nature can accomplish in all of its various functions and faculties. If I have the totally depraved, total, total depravity view over here, Then, I'm going to also, therefore, have a set of expectations of what human nature can accomplish on its own. And from there, I will draw my political conclusions. One of the things driving leftist progressives in our day and age today, in fact, it's the key thing driving them. It's why they are progressives. It is their number one article of faith is their belief in the inherent goodness of mankind. Because if mankind isn't inherently good, what are we progressing to? What does something flawed or evil progress to, folks? What does it progress to?
0: More flaws. It, it does more
1: flaws and more evil. That's what it does. It can't do anything more than that. So I am a progressive because I think human nature is basically good. Meaning we're going to progress. If we're basically good, what do we then progress to? More good. Now, here's the problem. What decides what's more good? And who decides what's basically good and who's not? Well, we do, of course. We do. We decide that. What I just laid out for you, Rick, is every political disagreement we have had about the the size and scope of government what is and is not the law who makes the law we have ever had and I have no idea how old you are Rick but I guarantee you it is at the core of every argument we've ever had as a culture in you and I's lifetimes everything I just discussed if human nature is basically good and can earn God's favor on its own guess what it's no longer therefore in need of Grace. It's not in need of, need of grace. You're not in need of a cross. You're not in need of a savior. You can do this on your own. And therefore, that will lead you down the path. Eventually, your mind will do the math. Once it sets that as the premise, I'm basically good. I don't need grace. You will then, intellectually, begin to make decisions based off of that premise. If you begin with the premise that my human nature is not basically good, but I have enough of the amago day within me to still do good, you will then draw intellectual conclusions from there and make decisions based off that. And if your mind begins with the premise that I'm totally depraved, then you will draw intellectual conclusions and do the math from there. Now, this often gets us into the age old argument of free will versus the sovereignty of god i think it's a false argument yeah i said it i think it's a false argument i think what has been one of the most contentious arguments of the church age begins from a flawed premise and i'm going to i'm going to explain this as humbly as i can cuz i i really don't want to be that know it all guy who you know thinks he has some level of layman's understanding, so I'm just going to prejudge like every church father and, and historical, you know, apologist that came before me that entered it. You know what I'm trying to say? I, I don't want to be that, all right. right? So you guys check me on this. I mean it, okay? But let me explain why I think it's a flawed argument because I think the, the premise is flawed. For we as Christians, the goal is not to find the line between our free will and God's sovereignty, In the Christian worldview, something supernatural occurs when our faithful obedience or our will lines up with God's sovereignty. That's when you see cultures change, lives change, families change, generations change. Well, how does that happen? One of the moments that occurs before Jesus is arrested is he's hiding out praying in the Garden of Gethsemane with his apostles. And and he's having one last crisis of conscience because he is both fully man and fully God. But at this point in his earthly ministry, he has set his divinity aside to submit to the will of his Father in Heaven. This crisis of conscience is this is the all-in moment that's about to go down. He is about to be arrested. He is about to be tortured beyond recognition. The Romans are going to torture him so harshly they're going to expose his membrane. He's going to be beaten. The very people he came to save are going to turn on him. He is a, he's going to accept and this is going to happen. Not because of what these people are doing to him, but because of what he's willing to do for us. These people are committing these actions. Both the religious leaders of his day and the Roman leaders of his day are committing these actions because he is willingly taking on the weight of our sin, paying the penalty for it. This is what we call substitutionary atonement in Christianity. Part of that act of substitutionary atonement is he's going to have to be estranged from his father who cannot inhabit sin. This is why you hear him crying on the cross. Lord, oh Lord, why have you forsaken me? Why am I alone? Why am I estranged? Where do people go that are estranged from their father? Where do they go when they die? Hell. Where they live that estrangement and forsakenness for the rest of eternity. Some of you are going to say, well, I don't come from a religious tradition that believes that. That's irrelevant to this argument. It doesn't matter whether or not your religious tradition agrees with what I just said. What matters is whether or not what I just said is true. It may not be true. I may be lying to you. I may believe something that is false. But if I'm lying to you and what I believe is false, it is not because your religious tradition believes something different. It's because what I'm saying is objectively false. You guys see what I'm saying here? Right. What you, be- you believing something doesn't make it true. Instead, try to believe in things that already are true. Those are two different things. Jesus is going to take on the weight of our sin. And he's wrestling with, do I really want to go through with this? Because he's fully human at this point. He is weakened in his resolve. And at that moment he is literally so weakened in his resolve he is sweating blood, which is a documented psychological condition that can happen in times of extreme stress. And then he says a prayer. Father, give me my free will so I can choose whether I should follow through with this or not. Is that what Jesus prays? No. No. What Jesus prays is not my will meaning my will in my fully human form not my will be done but your will father in echo of when his disciples come to him in his earthly ministry and ask him jesus teach us to pray what does jesus teach them our father who are in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven How he teaches them to pray is to pray for God's will to be done. How he strengthens his resolve to fulfill his mission is he prays to let go of his will because his will is fallen when he's in a state of man and instead says, Lord, give me your will. Now, why can Jesus do this? Well, he's not born of man. He's born of the Holy Spirit, so he's not born with the original sin the rest of us have. This is why we need the Holy Spirit in our lives after we're converted. Because that same spirit that conceived the Messiah in Mary's womb now comes to live in us so that we can set our fallen nature aside and follow God's will at the same time. Just as he did. Now, we can't do it as perfectly as he did because he's God and we're not. That's why we have to die daily. He only had to die once. We got to do that all the time. The Catholics sitting in my right is going to say, that's why we do Mass every Sunday. Everything you just said, Steve, that's why we do this, right? Is that what you're thinking over there? Right? Well done. That's right. That's, what, that's your argument. We have to do this all the time. We have to renew this, renew our mind, this covenant in our mind constantly. Because the flesh wants to return. The dog wants to go back to its own vomit. It is not about whether our will is free or not. How much freedom God gives us, in my view. It is that we have a fallen will. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You may have freedom to do what God says is right or wrong. That is actually bondage. To wrestle with whether or not, say this for myself, I wrestle with this all the time. I want to do bad things all the time. I don't feel real free when I'm wrestling with that guys. Do you feel free when you're wrestling with that? No. I feel like I'm in chains. You know when I feel free? When that thought you doesn't are. Yeah, when I feel free is when I'm doing God's will and those thoughts never come to mind. You know what's really weird? You know what's really weird is when when I'm speaking at a conference or I'm at a church serving in some capacity. And if a woman walks in wearing yoga pants, I don't seem to notice. When I'm actively serving God, you know what I seem to notice when I'm at the gym and I'm walking down the street and I'm not actively serving God. And those are the moments when I have to make the decision unto myself, am I going to submit to God's will in my life at those moments or not? See, it's not about, in my view, I don't believe the proper theological question is about free will. It is about his will. It's about the fact our will is fallen, and we can all sit here and do the math. How much good can human nature do on its own? How much does God have to supernaturally intervene? And we can be like Pharisees. Well, you know, if, if my oxen falls in a pit and he's 75 steps away from me uh, on the Sabbath, then that's working on the Sabbath. But if he's 62 steps away, then it's not. We can do this till the cows come home. Volumes of books have been written about this. We have ripped each other's spleens out. We've split whole churches over this. I think it's a false question the question is number one is my nature basically good on its own and if it is eat drink and be merry for tomorrow we die you have nothing to worry about if it's not well then you're gonna have to reconcile how to reconcile that and who's the reconciler that's number one and then number two if you answer that first question correctly then why are you still pursuing a life where you're wondering to yourself, you're like the teenager who comes home and says, if I do this, will you still love me? If I do this, will you still love me? If I... How do you feel as a parent when your kids do that to you? Did I not care for you? Did I not give you enough? Did I not offer you enough? That this is how you want to play this? Well, that's how God feels. I gave you my own son. That wasn't good enough. I gave you the chance to hit the control-alt-delete button and escape hell forever. What else do you want? Air to breathe, food to eat, water to drink. What, what, what haven't I not give you? What demand do you have of me that I've not yet met? And yet you still come to me and say, can we get away with this? Can we do that? The question of the age is, one, is my nature basically good? If it is, feel free to gamble on that. If it's not, well, then you got to figure out intellectually what reconciles that to the one who decides what's good or not. And then if you answer that question correctly, the follow-up question becomes, not how much free will do I have. How can I do more of his will in my life? Totally different question. Thoughts, gentlemen?
2: Um, The reason that the free will argument has um, kind of been to death and in some reasons got nowhere i think is because it has been anthropomorphized it has turned god uh into an equal uh he, he is omniscient omnipresent and omnipotent and we are not and the free the, the, you, so once you recognize that if you anthropomorphize that you're going to get it wrong if you somehow put this on equal footing he he is his ways are not our ways so we must embrace paradoxical thinking we have free will to make that recognition and to cross over that border. And temporarily, although we see through a glass darkly, we can already start living eternally, or we cannot. Mm-hmm. That is our, where our free will comes uh, into play. And then to go back to where you started with the three uh, notions uh, uh, of human nature, and identifying uh, the second one, as you correctly identified, uh, the Orthodox uh, Catholic. I, I uh, And it's also one that's embraced by uh, C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. I gave an um, ode, uh, a brief speech, to my mother at my wedding. Uh, my mother died uh, about three months before I got married, and I spoke about uh, her virtue, and C.S. and I used C.S. Lewis to help me do it. And they said, uh, C.S. Lewis likened our lives to uh, that of a mirror. And the cleaner we keep our mirror, the better we are able to reflect the Christ life in the world. And I said that my mother uh, did that better than any human being uh, I had uh, ever met. So to to your point, the, 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 the brokenness comes with all that we do and the degree to which that mirror gets fogged up by our actions. And it will happen. But in terms of the good that can be done, we are still that mirror. And that mirror was still uh, uh, created by God. Uh, Our our whole point of being created is to be a reflection of God. That is glorious. The the fall did not change that. It changed our ability uh, to use it uh effectively. It changed it in a way that was brutal and beyond repair. We can't fix that ourselves. But we are still that mirror. And there is a grace alive in that, no matter what, that the darkness cannot defeat. The gates of hell shall not uh overturn it. Uh so I think um as again the Catholic sitting next to Steve, um, his analysis uh, was dead on on all fronts, um, both educational and entertaining, and man, um, I'd, I would have paid, uh, instead of getting a paycheck for this, I would have paid to sit and listen uh, to what he just said.
1: Your thoughts, Aaron? Thank you for that, man. I appreciate you it.
0: Bet. Um, they, you You're absolutely right. The, the fundamental, what you said at the beginning, the fundamental question of our age is uh, whether or not human nature, that we all have to answer. Um is human nature basically good this will manifest its your answer to this question will manifest itself at every single level of your thinking and your doing and your being so it absolutely is consequential to every fiber of of your being and and really at the end of the day i would argue your your soul as well because if human nature is basically good you're n- you're not free. If human nature is basically good, then what's stopping it from be per- being perfected? And what instrument on Earth is powerful enough to 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 attempt to protect per- uh, perfect human beings? That's why you see over and over again societies and culture cultures who fail to answer this question in the affirmative, is human nature basically, or in the, in the negatory, is human nature basically good? It always ends in tyranny. Whether or not that's tyranny of your own device, or you look in the mirror and you see God, or whether that's tyranny of 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 government where you look at government and government becomes God eventually something or someone becomes God if you answer this question is human nature basically good in the positive Mm -hmm. the affirmative something becomes God and you will not be free the freedom we have in Christ is not to do whatever we want and escape the consequences for that, the freedom we have in Christ is to escape from the bondage of doing whatever we want to or whatever the flesh wants. That's the freedom that we have in, in Christ. And um, that's, uh, that, that is, that's essential. to Because if, if, if we are good, then the work that he did and we say he did on the cross 2,000 years ago is essentially for nothing but if we answer this question again uh in the negatory then that answers every that, that is the beginning of answering every single um existential question of our lives let
1: me end and well said very both of you or well said both of you very well said both of you there i got it right let me end our podcast today with this challenge I understand completely why people who believe human nature is basically good become progressives. That is totally congruent with the premise of their belief system. And if you believe human nature is basically good, you will become a progressive. You, for you to be a progressive and start with that makes perfect sense then why you think government, education, worldly efforts are what we need to overcome ourselves and our mistakes. When our inherent goodness doesn't shine through. I totally understand that. I don't agree with it. It's a mis- it's been a miserable failure, failure everywhere it's been tried on this planet because it's a it is it's magical thinking. It is seeing the world for how you prefer it to be rather than for how it really is. And the human nature is not basically good. And therefore the people that are running these public endeavors and these statist endeavors that are supposedly there to make you better, they're not basically good either. And they're prone to corruption and dishonesty every bit as much as you are. And it gets, if if anything, exacerbated more when you give them more authority over you than you have over you. That's, I just gave you the 86-year history of the Soviet Union. I, I just told you what goes on in every socialist country ever is what I just explained. But I get why somebody who believes human nature is basically good becomes a progressive. Here's what I don't get. How somebody who believes human nature is basically good becomes a conservative. That's what I don't understand. because it seems it seems incongruent to me to say human nature is not basically good or it, I'm sorry, it becomes incongruent to me to say human nature is basically good but I don't want the institutions that we create out of our own goodness to help us become better explain that to me, I don't understand that, that's probably a whole other podcast, that's why I wanted to throw that gauntlet down here at the end and give some folks something to think about, tell me how you believe human nature is basically good but you believe in limited government why? You think human nature is basically good? You walk past whole, You walk past streets of homeless people, single moms, people that can't afford health care, and you don't want You don't want government to do something to help them. Why have the
2: Constitution checks and balances? who Right. Needs
1: it? Why? What are we checking and balancing? Yes. Makes no sense to believe human nature is basically good, but then turn around and say I don't want institutions that we create out of our inherent goodness to not do good. What sense does that make? I think the answer to that's none. Now, that's a question that doesn't often get asked in our line of work, because we don't really want to have too many worldview conversations on the right. We want to have strictly political ones, because the worldview conversations are a double-edged sword, and a lot of people you have the you have the you have the tendency to maybe turn people who agree with one another on certain matters against one another. But see, I, I don't. My worldview says that the exact opposite is true. How can two walk hand in hand when they don't see eye to eye? See, the reason, one of the reasons why we don't vet our candidates very well is we don't vet their worldview. We vet their beliefs, and beliefs can change. But your worldview is your north star. Something to think about as we conclude this. Thanks for listening today. Excellent question, Rick in Massachusetts. Thank you very much for giving us an excuse to uh, indulge for a bit here this week on Theology Thursday thanks for listening today on Westwood One let us know what you think about what we think steve at stevedace.com is the email address like us on Facebook follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show don't forget our CRTV show today promo code dace at crtv.com until tomorrow with some feedback Friday John 317
2: this is Steve Dace I like you